I want to introduce you to two of the greatest preachers of the 19th century, one from America and the other one from England. The first one is from England. His name is Charles Spurgeon. I think we've got a photo of him. He's based in London and he was an incredible speaker. He began preaching when he was 16. He never attended any formal Bible college, but he was an exceptionally intelligent man. He went up to his grandfather's study as a boy of eight, nine, and began reading his grandfather's Greek textbooks. By age 12, he was highly competent in biblical Greek, simply by reading from his grandfather's library. When he started preaching in London, thousands of people came to hear him preach. He was incredibly magnetic. He was dangerously magnetic. In fact, people died listening to him preach one day because someone yelled fire. He had an incredible natural ability, an intellect so sharp, an ability to learn and an ability to speak. On the other hand, you can see in this second photo, there's another man. His name was Dwight Moody. And he was not educated. He was not educated like Spurgeon. He didn't have a grandfather who had textbooks and books that he had access to. In fact, he was not educated at all. And that meant that when he spoke, it was pretty obvious. His grammar was terrible. He stammered. He stuttered. He had poor tone. If you analysed, if one was to analyse his manner of speaking, he would be making all the mistakes that you would indicate to a professional speaker that they should not make. He was not polished or sophisticated. And yet, God used him. God used him in very similar ways to, the, to Spurgeon, this man of great intellect. God used him and thousands of people were blessed through both these men. So what's the difference? Well, in many ways, Moody, the American, he didn't have natural ability, but God used him. Spurgeon clearly had natural ability. People said that if he wasn't a preacher, he'd be the prime minister. He had lots of natural ability, but God used both men equally powerfully in two parts of the world a couple of hundred or hundred odd years ago. What we're thinking about this morning is gifts. And as we saw last week, when we think about gifts, often it's a moment for us to feel inadequate. This was certainly the case, as we saw last week, in the church in Corinth when the issue of people's gifts was raised. There were some Christians who felt inadequate. They felt like they were second-class Christians. But we saw last week that the beauty and the wonder of the gospel is that God gives equally to us all gifts, all for our edification, and in fact... We are united together as one, as God's people. And so this morning I want to ask the question, what's the difference between a gift 
and an ability. See up on the screen uh, a quote from Ephesians chapter 4, verses 7 to 8. It says, To each one of us grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. That is why it says, When he ascended on high, he led captives in his train and gave gifts to men. It's clear in Paul's mind in the book of Ephesians that every single person has been given the grace of God. Those who are trusting in the Lord Jesus have been given the grace of God. In the book of Ephesians, we see that this grace is a grace of salvation in the first couple of chapters, that freely, with no regard to natural circumstances, God draws through the Lord Jesus people into relationship with him, people into salvation, spiritual blessing. Here in chapter 4, Paul reminds these Christians that God gives the gift of salvation, but he doesn't stop there. He continues to gift and give to his people, and he gives to each one of them, each one of them, what they need. We're reminded in Ephesians chapter 4 that Jesus is the giver of the gifts, of the gifts of salvation and of the gifts for his church. The author J.I. Packer says, ability to speak or act in a particular way, performing ability, as we may call it, is only a spiritual gift if and as God uses it to edify some natural abilities that God has given he never uses in this way while sometimes he edifies through performances that to competent judges seem substandard so what Packer is saying here is that God makes people really differently Uh, there's a variety of abilities that all people have And when someone becomes a Christian, it's not necessarily the case that those natural abilities that we have are equal to spiritual gifts. In fact, we might see with a man like Dwight Moody that God in... uh, Sorry, that Dwight Moody in his natural self didn't have many abilities, didn't have many gifts... But God used him powerfully. And this reminds us, this reminds us of what Paul is saying in Ephesians chapter 4, that each one of us has been given gifts of grace. See, God sustains the world. He sustains the world by what, what we call common grace. And he sustains the world by giving people all types of abilities. Um, There's lots of types of abilities in our world. People have wonderful um, abilities with music, athletically, verbally, socially. And we might say that God gives those gifts to people to enrich his world. But that's not the same as a spiritual gift. An ability, a natural ability, is not the same as a spiritual gift. 
because the spiritual gift has a purpose. We saw that last week in the first sections of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. A spiritual gift is a spiritual gift because it builds up and edifies and grows and encourages the body of Christ. This means that the Lord Jesus, as he ascended, as he ascended to heaven, we're reminded in Ephesians chapter 4 that he gives from that ascended place gifts to his church and he gives them for the edification of his people. It's obvious to see people's ability and, it's, uh, and we can kind of see often what we think are spiritual gifts in people's natural abilities and often God does use those natural abilities as he did with a man like C.H. Spurgeon. But just because those natural abilities, an ability to speak, an ability to organise, an ability to think, just because those abilities aren't obvious, doesn't mean that God hasn't gifted a person. We're reminded in 1 Peter chapter 4 that each one in verse 10, each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in all its various forms. The Apostle Peter is like the Apostle Paul. He, he makes the same point. Whether we realise it or not, each one of us has been gifted. Each one of us has received a gift, and the purpose of that gift is the service of others. And I think that's how, indeed, gifts are discovered. Um, We might, and often do, badly estimate our own abilities, either overestimate them or, or indeed, often underestimate them. And the reality of seeing how God has gifted us, well, it's not seen in the abstract. It's seen in Peter's mind here, as we act, as we serve. And so, um, yeah, we ought not just be caught up in wondering what my gift is, I don't know, I can't. We ought to serve. And when we serve, we see the rich gifts that God has given us. We just, I mean, Deb testified to that. It was a beautiful thing to hear how God has provided for him has used people in this church to care and love for him. Now, prior to that, we might not have imagined how God would be at work in our church in this way. But those gifts become obvious, regardless of natural ability, those gifts become obvious as we engage in service. The gift that we see, the gifts become obvious in humble service. And we might ask what those gifts are and that's a good question to ask but really the only way to answer that question is for us to engage in service and those gifts will be made obvious we see in Ephesians chapter 4 that it's the Lord Jesus that gives gifts to his church And we see in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10, that each person has been gifted. 
And it's a privilege of those of us in the church who receive the gift from the Lord Jesus. It's our privilege to serve his body in the way that he has gifted us. Scriptures are very clear. Ephesians 4, 1 Peter 4, each person has a gift. And I think this is indeed something that some in the Corinthian church understood. They understood that they had a gift, and in fact, that was the problem. If every person has a gift, and a different gift perhaps, what you have potentially is a fragmented people, all with their different gifts, different people, different gifts. What we heard in our reading was how Paul addresses the variety of gifts, the rich diversity of gifts, and he doesn't see it as an opportunity for fragmentation. He sees it as an opportunity for unity. Why don't you keep uh, that? Why don't you keep one Corinthians chapter twelve open there? Because I'm going to refer to it um, from the reading and just the first couple of set, couple of verses that How read to us. The diversity of God's people. And the gifts that he has given to each and every member of those people is an opportunity for unity. That's the point he picks up there in verse 12. He says, the body is a unit. Um, Some translations have it as the body is one, or the body is complete in its oneness, though it is made up of many parts. The phrase the body is a perfect way to describe the way Paul thinks about the church. Many parts, but one body. Many gifts, many different people with many different gifts, but coming together as one body. And the concept of the body here in Paul's mind is used really clearly to help us see how those different parts come together as one. We know that we need more than just a brain to do our shoelaces up. We know we need more than just hands to do. We need the cooperation of those parts for us to exercise uh, that task. And so too for the church. We need all the different parts. And we need all the different parts coming together as one. Um, the, the concept or the image of a mosaic is, I think, um, what, you know, th- this, this passage reminds me of the concept of a mosaic because we see here how the tiny little pieces, although when those tiny pieces, like in a mosaic, when those tiny pieces are separate, it's hard to see their purpose. It's hard to see their beauty. But when they're brought together those little pieces of a mosaic, when they're brought together, when they're organised as one, that's when the beauty of a mosaic is seen, when those pieces of the puzzle are put together. Verse 12 ends in a very important way. It says, The body is one unit, though it is made up of many parts, And though all of its parts are many, they form one body. 
What's interesting here is the way that Paul ends verse 12. We might expect him to say, just as the body is one and has many parts, so it is with the church. We might expect him to say that. But that's not what he says. He says, so it is with Christ. What is Paul doing here? What Paul is doing here is showing us how the Lord Jesus displays himself, shows himself by the Spirit to the world through his church. In Paul's mind, the collection of all those different gifts come together, and as they come together as one in this body, they come together to accomplish Jesus' work on earth. Jesus had a body made of flesh and blood, his people, his church. And those people, us, have his work to accomplish. Therefore, we have tremendous power to be the people of God and to be the people of God who bring about God's work. There's a fascinating verse at the end, of, at the beginning, sorry, of the book of Acts. The writer, Luke, this physician, originally wrote both the book of Acts and also the gospel of Luke. And he wrote them for this friend named Theophilus. And Luke, of course, is, is all about Jesus. And the book of Acts is all about the works of Jesus' people, the apostles and the disciples, after he had ascended to heaven. And in the first verse of the book of Acts, Luke says, In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach. The implication here is that the book of Luke is about what Jesus began. Sorry, the book of Acts is about what Jesus began. Sorry, the book of Luke is about what Jesus began to do and teach. But the book of Acts is about what Jesus continues to do and teach. He's continuing. Jesus is continuing his ministry through us. Paul likewise in the book of Ephesians says, chapter 2, verse 17, he says, as he's writing to people in Asia Minor, he says, Christ came and preached to you, and that's why you know him. But the reality is that Jesus, as far as we know, never went to Asia Minor, modern Turkey. Jesus never went there. So how in the world could Paul think or say that Christ was coming to preach to them? Well, Christ was preaching because his people were there. And his people were preaching about him. See the connection that we see in the scriptures between Jesus and his church. What's the analogy? The analogy is what we see there in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. The analogy is of the body and of its head. Christ is so caught up with us as his people that now as we come together as one to exercise the gifts that he has given us, the Lord Jesus makes himself known in our world. And this is the privilege of what it is to serve one another, 
to serve one another with the gifts that God has given us. We're not just getting a job done. We don't have gifts just so we can be useful. Now we're reminded here this morning that God has given each one of us gifts. And he's given us gifts as diverse as they are. And as those gifts and as those people come together in the service of the Lord Jesus, he makes himself known. He's manifest. He is declared to our world as we serve one another. And so, friends, as we continue to think about gifts, I I want us to have a high view of the exercise of our gifts. We're not just doing jobs. We're actually displaying God's rich kindness. We're displaying the rich kindness that he's given us in saving us, and we're displaying the rich kindness that he's given us in enriching us in the many and varied gifts that he has. Let me pray that God might continue to unfold for us how we might use our gifts for his glory in this church. Let me pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the privilege of being knitted to one another as the body of your people. And we pray, Father, that you might raise our eyes to see the opportunities before us, the opportunities to serve, but the opportunities to display the Lord Jesus, to make him known. We ask, Father, that you might give us to one another in love and in sacrifice and in willing joy. We ask, Father, that you would be glorified in this church as we use the rich and varied gifts that you have given us for the glory of your Son. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Please stand as we sing.